This podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Nexus Recruitment Group, official Bristol City Football Club short sponsors. There is a company or brand within the group that can assist all recruitment needs across any industry to suit any budget. Head over to nexus-resources.k.uk for more information. Welcome to Three Peeps in the Podcast, the bonus show. My name is Patch and we're going to talk today about the Peterborough game at the weekend as well as that Stars of the 60s celebration. Unlike the Ashton Gate 8 event in February where the players put on a show for us and earned a victory at home to Middlesbrough, the same unfortunately can't be said for a home game that 63% of the poll expected us to win. The Stars of the 60s watched on as Bristol City earned only a point against the bottom of the league side and a 10 men of Peterborough. Uh, Matt is with me as always. Matt, your broad brush stroke of the weekend's events, please. Um, I wished 89-year-old Johnny Watkins had come on in the second half because um, I think he might have given us slightly more entertainment than what we witnessed. Um, I I think we were Nigel Pearson's comments about Peterborough after the game was, was slightly disrespectful when he talked about the quality. They were poor on quality because for me, they were the better side for the vast majority of the game. So, yeah, disappointing. Um, but really what we've become used to seeing this season. So, like a it's, lot of fans, I can't wait for the summer and, and hopefully a turnaround of, of playing staff that Nigel can get in what he wants to get in. It's the unpredictability that uh, that gets me. You know, the, the poll has very rarely been right to be fair, um, other than the Bournemouth defeat. Yeah, but I think in terms of performance, I, I think we have actually been fairly consistent. We've been consistently poor, really. So it, I, I wasn't surprised that we didn't get the win, although I put us down for a win, because um, I thought I felt we were... It, it was one of our better performances away from home, but Peterborough still had plenty of chances then, and we know they've got goal threats. So, yeah, it was um, disappointing, wasn't it? And, and took the gloss off of the other things that were going on with the, the 60s lads. So Yeah. Uh, Lee's three words were time for change. And there was a poll on one team in Bristol Twitter showing that fan opinion is now on a knife edge, Matt. 54% Pearson in. Yeah, my, my column in the post on the, the weekend, Bristol Live, um, I kind of referenced his comments about the, the passive club um, and it being a strange club. Um, and sort of saying, I've got a bit of stick because I, I sort of cited Steve Cooper, Ryan Lowe, um, and saying that they've they've come into clubs who were struggling and have actually seen an improvement. We're not really any different 18 months on. Um, and I'm not calling for Nigel Pearson's head. I, I I would stick with him. I think it's, we have to, to, to kind of allow him to bring his own people in in the summer, hopefully. But I do genuinely think that the fan base are now starting to turn because as I say, we're not seeing any difference um, and he's making some strange decisions. Yeah, well, our guest today, Matt, is uh, the the person who actually interviewed Nigel Pearson after the game and that's Ed Hadwin. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you, gents. You? Yeah, not bad, not bad. So were you shocked or are you used to Nigel Pearson and and some of the things he comes out with? Uh, I don't think shocked is probably the right word. It, It kind of... You never quite know what you're going to get in terms of sometimes he's very phlegmatic and gives you the kind of answers you might expect. And then every now and again, there's a hand grenade or two. But it's it, thinking back, so it's similar in the Swansea defeat. Um, you know, you can sort of go back and, and pick out the particularly poor performances. And, and that's where he seems to struggle. It's one thing being a little bit passive against a team like Bournemouth, where maybe there's even unconsciously, you understand that there might be a slight fear factor there. There are some really good players. You're going to have to be your best to get a result there. But with the best will in the world, Peterborough are not that team. They're, they're not a team that should strike fear into the heart of an established championship side. And at home with, you know, relatively full squad to choose from, he just expected a lot more from his team than that. And I think that's why he was as strong as he was post-match. Yeah, and I think for me, the hand grenade was sort of bringing the club into it. And that's a that's a new one from my recollection, bringing the club and seeing how passive they are. 
Yeah. And, and the, the difficulty there is that you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. So, you know, the high performance center, whether it's down at Ashton Gate, we don't know the conversations that have been had that have led him to say that. Now, you know, he's saying it, albeit sort of 40 minutes after the uh, the final whistle's gone. So it's not quite in the uh, the, the absolute flush of, of everything that goes into a game day. But people do misspeak slightly and, and it's difficult for us. We try and read everything into the nuance of a particular word or two, which maybe isn't the exact phrase he would have chosen if he could sort of sit down and write it effectively. So mm. it may be that he is calling out some things at the club that haven't been right. And I think you look you look at something like recruitment. I mean, recruitment hasn't been good enough for two yes. years. I mean, you could argue the toss over the exact date, but when was the last time City bought in a player who really made a, a huge difference Adam Webster first team that's it Adam Webster I would say yeah and I, I wouldn't argue with that so the, yeah. and this season you look at the, the the players that for me have stood out in terms of of positives and they've all come through the academy there are either Andreas Weimann who's been there for, for ages and is having the season of his lifetime or it's the Antoine Semenyos the Alex Scotts you know you, you can go through those even some of the ones that they've signed last summer I, mean, I don't think Rob Atkinson has had a horrible season I think he's getting used to the level but there, there are lots of mm, signings but there aren't many like you say other than maybe since Webster that you look at and think wow they've, they've done a great job and, and I do think that is something that's happened over now successive regimes and it it needs addressing it needs sorting out this and they need to have a good summer where at least what 50 60 70 percent of them at least are you know six out of ten if not heading up the the list from that yeah, Matt. So I was on Sound of the City last night with Jeff, and he asked where in the summer we should strengthen. And um, Ellie and Dave both both said, you know, at, at centre back because we don't know what the situation is with Callas and Baker yeah. and closer as well. Um, we need that experienced player for sure, but we have to look at the free transfer pool and obviously the right side as well. Any other areas where you think um, we need to strengthen? I think so much is going to depend on on what he's able to do, um, and it was a, a again a question that Ed posed. But when you're, you're talking about not having the funds and not having any money to spend, which is what he said last week, um, and then talking about if the players won't change, I'll change them. And I said to you, didn't I, after that comment when we were driving back? Well, what's he going to do? Top them, like you know, I, I, you don't you don't get rid of players that are on twenty five thirty k a week unless they're going to be getting the same money elsewhere. You know, that's just. Yeah, the the market, isn't it? They're not they're not gonna wanna go. I think gone are the days where players just wanna play football and will take those cuts. So I think it massively depends on on the, the turnover of, of the the squad that we've got. Callas is it looks like he's gone in for an operation this week. I've I've not seen any more in that other than his Instagram post. But you could be looking at potentially two, two, three centre halves. Dan Bentley is a player that other clubs certainly would look at. So you might be looking at a goalkeeper. Midfield, I think, is where we've really struggled this season, despite Alex Scott's impressive performances. But some of those have come as a right wing back, which is where we don't want to see him. We don't know what will happen with Han Noah. Um, I've not been impressed with Matty James. Um, I haven't. You know, I think he's, there's something about him. He, he adds the experience. But I got called out again on because of my comments with, with Matty James because it's what he brings in the dressing room. Well, fine, bring in, you know, I was going to say Ken Dodd, but he's dead. But... <laughs> Bring bring in Ricky Gervais to, to cheer him up in the dressing room. He's not he probably do it for, co- he probably cost a fair whack to be fair. Well, he's not he's not going to do it out on the field. So that's that's the thing for me. But so you you could be looking at ten or eleven players in terms of if the squad was as it was and there wasn't a lot of turnover. Right wing back without a shadow of a doubt. Centre midfielder holding player. Actually looking at Dylan Kaji today. If I've said that name right for the under twenty threes. That style of player. He's got something about him. Can play but can also break the play up. And then a centre forward as well. Um, yeah. but pff, you just don't know you just don't know Ed it's fairly uncharted waters you know we've been through Covid in the last few years there's no money we, there's this huge um, loss uh, you've been covering Bristol City you know for a number of years it, it's a big test for everyone yeah, I think it, undoubtedly, and it's you know, it, it's not ideal for for Richard Gould coming in. He's had a sort of a year now, but you know, he's had to deal with a lot of things that are not going to be easy for a chief executive. But the, the bottom line is, I think you know, you, you've talked about the areas that he's strengthening, and I'm not going to argue with any of those. I think they're, they're fairly self-explanatory. But the one thing I would say is, you don't need to go out and spend silly money to strengthen the team. So I think 
I don't think if you kept exactly the same squad, I think you're probably three, four players in the right positions away from having a top half team. You know, and we're not going out signing 10, 15 million pound players. We were talking about you know, an established championship, right back, right wing back, a central defender that can come in and do his job. And I think that central midfielder is absolutely key. Somebody to 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 organise the others, to, to make them listen when they need to, to push and pull and do all those things, because they're an unbelievably quiet team out there. There's not enough of that communication. It's not the screaming and shouting and, and bawling people out. It's the left, right, up, back, wherever it is you need to be to get there. To When the crowds weren't there, you could, you could hear how quiet they were, and I don't yeah. think it's got any louder. So I think you could, if you recruit well, and smartly, you could go out and get those players. And realistically, this summer, there will be some big wages off the uh, the, the wage bill. So that will help to, to trim it a little bit. I don't see how Noah say Masengo standing because unless they say, right, well, we're going to keep holding for another year and then lose him for nothing. If he was going to sign a new deal, he'd probably have done it by now. And if yeah. you can get a good amount of money for him, sort out the issues with the loss over the last few years in terms of making sure there's no points penalty, I'm okay with that because you've got enough kids coming through. And you mentioned Dan Kanji. I think Josh Hours is another one in the under 23s, yep. same position, has looked good. We don't know if you can make the step up. The only way you're going to find out is by giving him an opportunity and yep. maybe he gets that. But with those youngsters developing and three or four experienced players in the right position, I think they can be a solid mid-table championship side. And yes, that's not exciting. That's not going to sell season tickets, but it's going to be a, a huge improvement on what we've seen over the last best part of two seasons yeah definitely it's a good model isn't it having uh, experience alongside youth i mean you could do that through the spine of the team up front in the middle at the back as long as you've got someone there who's coaching them along continuing to get them improving and and all going in the right direction matt it, it is but it also has to be um that they've got the legs as well and that's where i feel matt, matty james is, is struggling a little bit and that might be because of injuries and um and i've, I've said this before and, I, and i'm I don't mean the exact type of player, but it's like a Dave Martin that we had all those years ago. But someone who can come in will break the play up. You know, Corey Smith probably now with what some of the stuff he's been doing. You know, you think, God, what what would Corey Smith have added to this team this season? Um, but completely agree with Ed. There's there's just no one. It's that that leader in the middle of the pitch that we just don't have, and we can have the debate about Dan Bentley being captain. In you know, you you should have seven or eight captains on the field, in my opinion. It doesn't need just one. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely that. If you were to say to me one position, that would be the position I would look at. Okay, right. Let's get um, before we get into the game. Let's just talk about the stars of the '60s. Fantastic to see them down there. The smile on their faces, you know, the, the fact that they hadn't seen each other for such a long time, some of them. Um, we'll just give them a quick name check. So we saw Danny Bartley, Ian Broomfield, Phil Coggins, Jansen Derrick, Brian Speedy Drysdale, John Galley, Mike Gibson, Johnny Giles, Bobby Gould, Mike Mahoney, Jeff Merrick, Jeff Palmer, Trevor Tainton, Johnny Watkins, Bobby Shadow Williams and Alan Dix. And I caught up with some of those guys on the Robins High Performance Centre on the Friday. So I've just published the first of those. So um, uh, Mike Gibson with Neil Palmer, because unfortunately Tony Ford was unable to make it. But then coming up, you've got Bobby Gordon, John Galley, Ian Broomfield and um, Brian Drysdale, Janssen Derrick and Bobby Williams. So some good conversations, some cracking stories. And Ed, you had the pleasure of interviewing three of the guys before the game also. Yeah, and it, you know, I love doing stuff like that, frankly. And, and and who doesn't like reminiscing? Because you know, for all the the bad that happened in the past, by the time you know enough years have gone by, you've forgotten the rubbish, haven't you? And you just remember the uh, the, the fun bits. And and there are always stories there. And some of them were, um, you know, I, you know, plenty of them were uh, well into their eighties and, and actually doing really well for mm. uh, for all of that. So, um, the one that kind of stuck in my mind was uh, was a chat with uh, with Danny Bartley, who I'd, I'd never Amazing. spoken to before, and they were all yeah. lovely. But his um his story about John Atio's 350th goal yeah. was um super yeah, it's it, it, it surprised me and you could kind of say it's just one of those little things that happen you know season in season out at clubs but um just an absolute joy to it to see them all there and, and they all really look like they were enjoying it the yeah. delight that he had at talking to Danny Bartley was just tangible through the radio you could you, yeah. could, you could feel it and Jeff Jeff played it last night before the sang of the city um, and we were actually in the sports bar patch, weren't we, when Danny came in 
um, and Neil Palmer sort of said to him, oh, Danny Bartley, and, and he was shocked that Neil had recognised him, and then he was sort of reminiscing, and it was brilliant, absolutely lovely. And yeah, and, those, and he had those his big iPad, didn't he, taking, taking pictures? Yeah, taking pictures, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah. even, I mean, the, the chat with, with Phil Coggins that you had as well, yeah. you, you could just sense just how much it meant to them, and huge, huge shout out to the, the former Players Association and to, to Scott Davidson, um, yourself, Patch, um, for the work that was involved there, and obviously Neil Palmer. Um, but that's what it's about, Ed. It's seeing their faces, it's seeing what it meant to them, and yeah. Well, um, that generation of players, realistically, yeah. we all know it. They, they didn't get the financial rewards that no. you know you've had in the last thirty odd years. You didn't even get the same sort of adulation. I think in general life, you know, if you walk down the street, people just go, "There's you know whoever yeah. it is, whether it's Phil Coggins or whatever." So. It, it's not something they've grown up with and it's almost like it, it's a, a different sport to what's being played yeah. now so, so it's being able to give them some of that that they absolutely fully deserve is you know it, it's a great a, thing and hopefully that's something the club are going to do more of yeah absolutely yeah no they, they definitely will there was a great story in one of the robins reuniteds that i did with um bobby williams where he said that they would queue up outside harry dolman's office at christmas to get their chicken to get their chicken for, for, <laughs> for Christmas meal. And that was their sort of Christmas bonus. And I said, are you serious? And that's, yeah, exactly, exactly right. So a different world, uh, you, you, can, you can definitely say that. But yeah, great to see those guys. And we will definitely be doing more of that in the future. Right, let's get back to uh, the game on Saturday. So the lineup, Matt, was Dan Bentley, Cundy Closer, Atkinson across the back, um, Alex Scott and Jada Silva as wingbacks, Matty James and Joe Williams, Andy Vyman, Naki Wells and Chris Martin. Any big surprises for you, Matt, in terms of when that, that was announced? Um, I think on the back of the Bournemouth defeat and the way that we played in the first half, and I said before we defended really well, but it was a lesson. I was surprised we went with the same shape and we didn't go with a four. Um, I think, again, not meaning to be disrespectful to Peterborough, but I would have expected us to, to be a little bit more dynamic. I think you said it last night, Patch, on Sound of the City. Um, you know, does does Chris Martin need to play in that game? It's a difficult one, and, and I thought he played really well, and he, he certainly gives us that physical presence, but I'd like to see just a little bit more speed in there. Um, and, and actually bringing Joe Williams in, who was clearly not fit, and playing him alongside Matty James, I don't think that was a great decision in, in hindsight. So I wasn't surprised by the lineup, but it wasn't the one that I would necessarily have, have picked. Ed, for you, obviously the formation seems to be pretty rigid um, in in the last few months, at least. Um, in terms of your, you know, the players you've you've seen you've seen them in training, you've seen them, you know, in more games than a lot of people. How how do you think we should have lined up against bottom of the league, Peterborough? At home. Yeah. I, so I'm somebody who is quite happy to change systems so long as you've done the work with the players because you've got to have a little bit of flexibility. I'm not a big three at the back fan. Realistically, in my eyes, he's playing that because he doesn't trust the team. So not just the defence, he doesn't trust the team to keep clean sheets. And you look down the, uh, the list, I mean, in doing the stats for the game, I think until, um, and, until this weekend, it's the last time they had a one-all draw was all the way back in November against Blackburn. So every time they'd conceded fewer than two goals, they'd won the match. This is the first time in four or five months they hadn't done that, which I think shows you how passive they were, how poor they were, frankly, going forward. So for me, I would always play four at the back, given a choice, because I think it just gives you more flexibility. So long as your full-backs are not sat at home and just alongside your, your centre-backs all game, that's my preference. I think... I wouldn't argue, and Joe Williams is off the pace. So if he's fully fit and playing in the way he has in very small oh, he patches... he starts every game, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, he's amazing. And he gives you something that you don't have in the team otherwise, which is that absolute box-to-box -box energy. And, and that's, for me, what was missing at the weekend. There were a number of times that uh, the Matty James dropped to get the ball or one of the defenders had the ball at their feet. And in terms of a shape, the players were in good positions. You know, you've got your, your wing backs nice and wide. You've stretched the pitch at the top with somebody playing on the last man and the midfielders are in, in decent positions, but they're static. And uh, with the player with, on the ball, it just makes it so much more difficult because you're not sure whether to force a pass in if somebody's mm -hmm. going to come and nick it. 
a bit of movement in there just makes everybody's mind up for them. And, and it wasn't like it didn't happen at all because Byman certainly it was, was running and trying to make angles, but it, it wasn't happening enough. And that's, that's where the problem was for me. It just wasn't, they weren't active enough. Yeah. Yeah. And if we do play with a, with a back four, then, I mean, the only right back we've got fit at the moment is, is Zach Viner, but uh, you know, he, he didn't seem willing to start him, Matt. No, I mean, I think, I think Zach is clearly, a player that, that Nigel Pearson isn't sure of. I, th I don't want to say doesn't trust him because I think that's perhaps going a little bit too far. But um, I, I feel a little bit sorry for Zach. Um, he got called out on the weekend that his first three or four passes went astray. And But actually, when you looked at him, he was playing... There were certainly two instances. He played passes into the right area and expected movement, and there wasn't any. So you could look at it, it sort of both ways, really. Was it a bad pass because it, it went to the opposition? But there were a couple of times where he actually did play the right ball um, and it got cut out. I would still look to play him. Put it this way, I would rather play Zach Viner there than waste Alex Scott there because I think you're just taking Alex Scott mm. out of what, what he's best at doing. And similarly with Andy Viman, and, and we've, we've talked on there, yes, it worked at Blackburn. Would I do that? No, absolutely not. Um, yes, it worked, as I say, but I still think it was the wrong choice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Right. Let's get into the game then. So the first note I've got is on the 11th minute, a great combination between Alex Scott and Andy Vyman sees Vyman get a cross in, which finds Jada Silva on the corner of the six yard box. Shot comes in, takes a slight deflection, which maybe puts Naki Wells off his attempt to sort of toe poke it into the goal and it goes wide. Ed, how did you see that one? Yeah, it was one of the I was going to say few, that's a bit unfair, but there wasn't enough of, of that give and go. There wasn't enough of that, you know, that those surging runs and making players' minds up for them. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't quibble with that. I think it was, it, it was unfortunately something they didn't do enough of and they didn't sort of capitalise on that. And, and actually in the first 20 minutes of the game, one of the few times they actually got the ball down and did something because I thought Peterborough, without really creating much of anything, just dominated the opening probably 20 minutes and, and just mm. did what they wanted to do and, and take any crowd issue out of the uh, the game and, and just make it, you know, make it a slightly nervous ground. Yeah. And Matt, it was one of those ones where you think, how has that not gone in? Everyone was jumping up celebrating. So so I've looked at it back and I think if Naki Wells doesn't touch it, I think it goes in. Oh, really? Yeah, genuinely. I've looked at the angle back and I genuinely think if Naki Wells doesn't get a touch on it, the ball's going in the corner. Um, he was unlucky. I mean, he's he's, he's put his face stretched mm. um, and yeah, it, it could have gone in. But yeah, if you have a look back at it, it looks like it's going in before his touch. But we said, we've said this a couple of times on recent podcasts, I think definitely at Bournemouth, but Jada Silva is getting into more advanced positions and, you know, his shooting is improving, but he's going to find himself in more positions like that. Uh, just wants it on his left foot, Matt, doesn't he? Yeah, in, in fairness, his, his shooting couldn't really get much worse, could it? Because it's not, and it's not something he's known for. If I'm Jay De Silva, I would be practising that throughout the summer because if he's going to be playing in that advanced position, he's going to get more opportunities like that and he needs to just take them. So it was good to see. And, I, and you know, I, I think he's probably been the most improved player over the last three months since he's come back into the bus. Um, oh, yeah, back on. The bus. Yeah, back on. He's, he's definitely been our most improved player, I would say. Into the 20th minute, City failed to clear a Peterborough attack started by Sam Smoddix and the ball eventually falls out to Joe Ward, whose low right-footed drive hits the post and bounces out. And a bit of a let-off there, Ed. Yeah, and he's caught it really sweetly, hasn't he? And he's found himself. And there's a great example. So you're looking at a guy playing fullback and he's hit the post because he's what he's seven, eight, ten yards outside the other box and in a, a little pocket of space. And, and if I'm remembering it right earlier in the move to sort of start it off, it was a little bit of a fortunate it was a tackle and it ricocheted away and it went to Peterborough rather than City. And, and those things happen. But I think that's my my big issue with the way the team are playing at the moment. You're going to get the bounce of the ball sometimes. Other days it's not going to go your way. And you have got to have a system that gives you the ability to deal with those moments around your own box. And it just seems far too often that, you know, whichever of the midfielders goes in and makes the tackle, it breaks. And all of a sudden, either uh, defence have dropped too deep into the area. There aren't enough bodies around it. They don't need to just pack that area, but they do need to have more cover because they're getting exposed there time and time again. Yeah, another great example, Matt. In the 30th minute, Atkinson comes out of his defensive line to try and cut out a pass, sort of goes in with 
for me, the wrong foot. And the ball breaks to um, Smodic, who gets his shot away. And the follow-up is cut back uh, from Smodic, but is dealt with well by Atkinson. So a great example of Atkinson battling back and making up for potentially an error. Yeah, I think Bent saved it, didn't he, the first one? Um, yeah. And I think from memory, Johnson Clark Harris gave gave Sammy Schmodix a bit of stick because he, he felt he should have pulled it back a little bit better. But yeah, I mean, Atkinson at fault for the first phase of that and then makes a good good challenge for the second one. And like you, I think he seemed to go with it wrong foot. Um, but they, they were lively. I mean, I, I like Sammy Schmodix. I don't think he was ever given any kind of opportunity for us. He, he didn't look brilliant on Saturday, but he was still buzzing around and causing problems. Johnson Clark Harris scores, um, but didn't really for me do an awful lot else. I thought both Closer and um, Atkinson dealt with him pretty well. It was Robbie Cundy that was getting a little bit pulled out of position and, and struggling a bit, wasn't he? But yeah, it was a good and a good save from Bents to be fair with that one. Yeah, but three or four at least strong games from Cundy. Yeah, um, you know, not everyone's going to have a seven out of ten. Every certainly, week. certainly warrants, and we keep saying it, it certainly warrants for me another contract. I mean, he's. Definitely not going to be one of the high earners down there, but I think he's done enough um, to, to warrant a new deal. Any thoughts and insight on that from you, Ed, in terms of Robbie Cundy? Um, I think he's, you know, he's somebody who, honestly, I, I want, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't think he was going to get the chance. Yeah. Because having been at the club for so long, going out on a, a series of loans, the injuries are, are a big issue. And I think in his own mind, he's probably he's keeping going, but he thought the, the opportunity was, was not going to be there. I think you look at him, same with Atkinson, you know, there, there's such good, big physical specimens, you know, in the air, he seems to do quite well. I thought he he could have been helped more by close. There were a couple of times in that first half in particular where he's come in to cover Clark Harris's run because he's seen the danger. So he's come from the right side into the middle and one of them for a smotic shot close has got to come back round. So as soon as he's taken the, the striker, the other two defenders then got to adjust and see where's the danger coming from. And they didn't, they, they almost stayed in a three, but it shifted all the way across to the left-hand side of the pitch. And that leaves a huge space that you can't expect your wing back to come in and cover that if you're expecting them to get up the pitch as well. So yeah. that communication between those three, I think wasn't great. So I think that is something that can improve. And, in the first half for me, it was a system issue. So you, you've got the three centre-backs. They've got Johnson Clark Harris up against them. Fine, they dealt with him well all afternoon. He didn't really do much of anything other than be in the right place at the right time for the goal. But nobody was marking Smodic. So you've got yeah. three centre-backs marking one player. You've got two wide strikers trying to occupy the full-backs and push them back that kind of word, but there was nobody watching Smodic. And that's why he got into so much space in that first half. So, for me, you've got your three centre-backs there. One of them's got to push on. One of them's got to say, right, you know what? When they've got the ball like that, you two can narrow off. The two wide players, we've got the, the wing-backs there. One of us can step out, even only five yards, and just look to engage Smodix a little bit higher up the pitch, take that space away from him. Because the number of times he was able to bring the ball down and then look to a pass or drive or whatever it was he wanted to do without any pressure. And, you know, from schoolboys up, you know, if it's so much easier once you've got the ball under control to make good decisions and, and pass, shoot, whatever you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Great insight. Thanks. Uh, so the, the next uh, couple of notes I've got are both corners. So 41st minute, it was a short corner routine to Wells, which was cut out. We won a, a subsequent corner from that. And it was quick thinking from the ball boy in, in the section 82 corner who gives the ball to Andy Vyman. He takes a quick corner to Matty James. He feeds Jada Silva and his cross is inch perfect onto the head of Rob, Rob Atkinson for a second goal in as many games. Um, and Matt, it's great to see our defenders starting to contribute to the goals. And uh, I don't know if you noticed the John Cena celebration from Rob Atkinson as well. I know how much I, you like I, your wrestling. I, yeah, I didn't. I Normally, I mean, if he did done the easy, I would have known <laughs> what he meant. But yeah, um, I thought the first one was a good move. And, and I'm not quite sure why Naki Wells went with his right foot rather than his left foot. Um, but that first routine, I said to, to the, the chat next to me, We've actually worked on something there like that. That, that seems like Set someone's come up with a definitely well, yeah, corners have definitely improved. someone's come up with a routine. And then the second one, as you say, Jada Silva picks out a brilliant ball. I think there was only two City players in the box. Um, and Rob Atkinson uses, as Ed said, his physical presence gets a good header on it, centre of the goal, but the keeper's not keeping it out. And yeah, two 
two good goals from Rob Atkinson, two really Powerful firm headers. headers. Yeah, yeah, in both of those games. So yeah, and the keeper's got a hand a to both of them, but the yeah. power has taken it over the line. Yeah. yeah, Ed, it's something. It's something we've picked up on. Is we've got now, you know, two big defenders, big units, big specimens, as you said earlier. We should be and closer as well. We'll come on to that in the second half, but um, we should be scoring more goals like that, shouldn't we? Yeah, and so it's down to two things for me there. So it's quality of delivery. And for a long time this season, the quality of delivery hasn't always been good enough. 100%. It hasn't been anywhere near good enough. Yeah, it's not so, been clearing the first defender sometimes, which is yeah, so and, and just But also don't hang it up there. Don't float it up and make them attack it. You, you've got to beat your first defender, but you've got to whip it into an area sort of, you know, what is it? two, three metres squared between the edge of the six-yard box and the, the penalty spot, and then say, then it's up to the, the forwards, the defenders, whoever it is in there, you get your head on it. So I think Matty Jane's delivery actually in the last couple of games that I've seen has been much, much better. And then it's down to timing the runs. And, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get that right. But evidently, Rob Atkinson is, is in a moment at the moment where it's all going you know roughly to plan for him. And when he gets there, mm. he should be able to at least put defenders off if not go and do what he's done in the last couple of games and, and power it into the back of the net so yeah if you're looking for positives at the weekend the the improved set pieces were definitely a, a step in the right direction yeah matt it was just before that that zach viner was stripped off ready to come on um so around the sort of 39th minute 40th minute uh but he does eventually come on at half time for robbie cundy how did you see that I thought he was stripped off to come on for Rob Atkinson. I thought Atkinson before the goal looked like he'd pulled sort of a strain or seemed to be struggling. Um, but I'm assuming that absolutely wasn't the case and it was going to be that tactical move um, and, and switch to the four. So, um, again, I think on the back of last week, the performance against Bournemouth, we played our better football when we'd moved to that four and changed shape. Um, so I could understand why he did it. Why that changed? Did the goal make the difference and... and you know, was it a, a knock or what? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but certainly all around us, we thought it was Atkinson that was going to be the one coming off. Mm, okay. No half-time summary from Rob. Last week's excuse was he was playing Patank. Is that the right, how you say it? Patank? Uh, Silver yeah, balls, it, French. Yeah. French um, style, French style, yeah. Yeah, and this one, I don't know. Just maybe just playing with balls. Um, into the 52nd minute. It was a good move going forward from Jada Silva involving Andy Vyman and Chris Martin. It didn't come to anything, but it was a sign that, that, that things were happening, going in the right direction. Uh, 53rd minute, another substitution. Joe Williams coming off and Han Noah Masengo coming on, Ed. And uh, I think that was just uh, maybe even a planned substitution for Williams yeah. not having the legs. I think that's right. And, and realistically, having having had so many injury issues and then setbacks, particularly this season. So you just, when you think he's got over, not got over it, but they've got him up to a level where he doesn't have to worry about the hamstring. I'm pretty sure that was, was conditioned by the, uh, the, the medics, the physio staff saying, right. Okay. He's, he's done this far already. We can't go any further than that. And, and that's the right thing to do for him. So no, no issues with that. Yeah. Okay. 59th minute. It was a long ball up the field from closer, which Martin flicks on well to Vyman. He's away. He's through on goal, but Ward chops him down just outside the box, gets a red card for his trouble. Um, and unfortunately the free kick from Martin goes over. Um, Matt, no question about the red card there. Not having watched it back from, from where we were on the South stand, you couldn't see whether, you know, did he get a touch on it? Um, was it in the area? Was it not in the area? Um, but lo looking back now, clear, clear, um, brought him down, was outside the area, the initial challenge, although Vyman ends up in the box. Um, so definite red card, yeah. And, and and Joe Ward there, Ed, obviously that is, turns out to be a great decision because Andy Vyman's through on goal. The form he's in, you expect him to score. We go 2-0 up um, and who knows, maybe even go 3-0 up after that. But uh, Joe Ward, had a good game really didn't he apart from that but yeah if you say apart from that maybe that is one of one of his strengths but that was so in the build-up to that I thought Chris Martin had the two centre-backs for them on toast all, all match Just, long they couldn't yeah. get close to him but uh, the City problem was they couldn't do anything with it the number of times he put in nice little angled flicks or glances down or whatever else and, and City didn't do anything with it was was ridiculous frankly at the weekend but there 
I, I wouldn't blame the fullback. It's not the fullback's job to be chasing the, the central striker through the, the the middle. That's the centre-backs who got caught out there. And I thought they were their best two players. I thought the left-back for Peterborough, the, the one player on their team, I thought, do you know what? I'd take him. I'd take him yeah. in a heartbeat mm-hmm. because he, he gave Alex Scott no space up and down the pitch, seemed to have decent quality with his left foot as well. If you're looking at cheap signings, I'd definitely be looking and seeing if he were available. Oh, but, right, right back, Joe Ward. Yeah, and he, he was okay. I thought he was, you know, he hit the, the post in the first half, didn't he? Yeah. I, I wouldn't blame him. It's it's an absolute nailed on red card and the referee's got it spot on. It is outside the box. So fair play to him for, for picking that up. But I, I wouldn't blame him for being in the wrong place. He just, he took one for the team, didn't he? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, six minutes later, we find ourselves um, equal. We found ourselves on a par and it's a goal for Johnson Clark Harris. A very sloppy, another pinball style goal against us. There was a few claims of offsides, but Matt, we've seen on so many occasions this, this season, haven't we? The ball sort of just pinging around and we just cannot get rid of it. Yeah, it just, again, wasn't a decisive um strong enough challenge in, in there as a, a, a bit of a hopeful ball in or I mean it was decent delivery um, but yeah it. I think when again looking back Atkinson seems to miss the first challenge or, or go for the first challenge and then he's almost on the floor as he's trying to make the second challenge and then it, it gets popped across and Clark Harris just slides it in didn't he and went off and celebrated on his lonesome um, <laughs> but you, you know, in fairness to Peterborough you've got to say they deserved to get something out of the game um, from their first half play and um, even down to, to 10 men, they were still trying to go forward. I don't think they set up to defend. I think they were the ones who, for me, looked more likely in those initial stages to, to get a goal. Although once Anton came on, we, we did start to create a little bit more. But yeah, I, I wouldn't begrudge them that equaliser at the time, I've got to be honest. Ed, is there anything for you in what can be improved in terms of defending set pieces, defending corners? I mean, is it... Would you like to see Dan Bentley coming out and trying to claim that? So Dan Bentley is a really good goalkeeper. The The weakness that he has is commanding his area. Not so much necessarily when the ball is, is close to him. He, he's quite brave with those, but he does not want to leave his six-yard box. So whether it's balls over the top, whether it's back passes that don't quite go where they should do, it's something that I've picked up in commentary quite a few times over the, the last 18 months. And, and I think it was one of the big reasons why O'Leary was given an opportunity earlier, because for everything that he can do well, that is something that he massively needs to improve on. But it's not all down to him. It, helped, it would help if he came in and was a little bit more positive. And sometimes he's going to get it wrong and you'll concede a goal from it. But I'd rather that than have that constant pressure and the knowledge that, frankly, the players in front of him aren't good enough at the moment to keep the ball out of the net. I think that's just collective resolve. You, you can have... Um, you can put players in certain positions. So you look at the defending from set piece from uh, from corner kicks and you can see physically what they've changed in the last couple of games to try and cut that out. It's made it better and it does help having those sort of equally spaced more of them in that sort of danger area. But the bottom line is when it drops in the box, you've got to get there before the bloke from the other team. Yeah. And they don't do it often enough. It does happen yeah. sometimes, but just nowhere near enough. And that's not just the defenders, that that's the entire team. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we've got the chance um, of another header from a defender a couple of minutes later to go 2-1 up. It's closer this time. It's a pinpoint cross from Andy Vyman um, and, and closer just doesn't get over it enough, Matt. Not close enough, was it? Um, <laughs> what's what done there? Um, that's terrible. Um, no, and, and, and actually, it, I don't think it was a, that good an effort. I don't think it was that difficult to get, to get it on target from there. Um, and it was a you know it was a really really good opportunity. He won the centre of the goal, um, and he's got he has got to do better there. Yeah, seventieth minute, Eagle Eye Warner spots Famara Jiju on the uh, the players' lounge balcony, and um, yeah, it was great to see him down there. Quite frankly, <laughs> yeah, it was. And I don't know at what point others spotted him, but um, there was soon then a chant coming from section eighty two, wasn't there? I can only um, assume it was about my tweet. Famara. Oh, did, you, did you put a tweet? Yeah, maybe it was then. Yeah, no, yeah. No, I'm sure other people spotted him. He might not have been out there the first half, hence, mm. hence he wasn't spotted. But uh, but no, good good to see him. Yeah, very yeah. popular popular player. Absolutely. 71st minute, Naki Wells off and Antoine Semenyo on, Ed. And we know what Antoine can do. He was the bright spark uh, throughout last season for us. And good to see him, A, back from injury and B, buzzing around the pitch. 
Yeah, it, and he just gives them so much more threat. I, I, I've got a lot of time for for Naki Wells, but and I thought he he worked his socks off in this particular game. But as as he has in recent, yeah, recent weeks. and his attitude's been spot on. But he just he's not somebody you want ratting for the ball forty yards from goal because that's not his game. His game is give him the opportunities and and let him finish them. Mm. Whereas you know City, frankly, at the moment are not really good enough to produce enough good quality chances for him to take advantage of. Antoine is a completely different player. You know, if you were talking about one-on-one, I'd back Wells more often than I would Antoine to, to slot it away, but he would absolutely not create the chance himself, whereas Antoine is just... It must be a nightmare for defenders. Like, the, literally, the first challenge one of their, their lads made on him, he tried to get the wrong side of him and push it, and he got a yellow card for it because he, yeah. he thought, oh, I can nudge this guy out of the way, and sort of bounced off him, effectively, and then had to haul him down. So it just breathe fresh life into the team and when he came on you you felt it was at least possible City might just get another goal well they almost did and Matt was almost out of his seat when a Matty James free kick is cleared only as far as Masengo and his dipping shot is tipped over Matt yeah good save but a save you expect the keeper to make in yeah I mean I you know as everyone who listens to this podcast knows I, I do really really like Han Noah um I think he probably will go in the summer. Um, but I also accept, as you said last night, Patch, you know, in terms of contribution, assists, goals, it's it's been won this season. So it's not as if we're going to miss that if he does go. I think we miss his energy. But I also accept others have sort of commented that perhaps he, we, we lose shape when he does do what he does because he tends to run around a little bit like a Jack Russell, then he after the ball. Um, but I, I just felt that he gave us some energy in the middle of the pitch that we hadn't had in, in the game. Mm. Um, agree everything you said about Antoine. And, and actually, Antoine, out of the three jewels that we talk about, is the one I would definitely be looking to keep hold of. Um, I don't think we've seen enough of Alex Scott. We know there's massive potential there, but a bit like Lloyd Kelly, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily miss what you haven't seen enough of. I just think with Antoine, he, he's you can really see how he's developed this year. Um, so, yeah, if, if we've got to get rid of, or not, I don't want to get rid of any of them, but if we lose two, Alex Scott and Hanno would be the mm. two out of those three that I would, because I think Antoine could have a massive season. We don't want to lose anyone, but if no. we have to sell and raise funds to, to fit three players in a different area, then, yep. you know, it's, it makes sense. And actually with both of those, Alex Scott, we know um, is talked about in lots oh, yeah. of circles. Um, Absolutely. So you'd expect there to be bids for him, but I I would certainly expect bids for Anton because I think, like Ed said, when he came on, um, it, physically he just looked like a bloke who hasn't been out injured. Um, mm. It's just that decision making again, isn't it? He, he had the one shot where you thought, you know, you should be squaring that, and yeah, but. Okay, uh, 78th minute as an Atkinson header comes close and then an Atkinson cross is met by Vyman for a scissor volley that unfortunately goes out for a throw-in. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, with, with Andy Vyman, you wouldn't have been shocked at all to see that nestle Not this in the season, net. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, 79th minute, Semenyo looks dangerous, but twice now he's lacked the final pass or shot, but he's only, you know, nine minutes into his return after injury. So I think he can be forgiven for that. 82nd minute the ball's pulled back from Vyman to James on the edge of the box and he shoots well over and you've mentioned Matty James Matt and now he's what four or five games back into his return um, but he should be showing more composure from the edge of the box there to get that at least on target yeah I mean he's he's, he's leaning back I, I, I like him as I say I just don't know that he's got the um, I keep saying about having the, the, the legs for it, and that's probably not not strictly accurate because he does do a lot of work in certainly at Bournemouth last week in in the first half. He, he intercepted lots of, of sort of balls coming through. He's just not quick enough for me, and and things slow down an awful lot. Um, but in in that instance, yeah, you'd I think he'd back himself to hit the target, um, mm. and we've not seen enough of that. And maybe he's had a season massively interrupted by injury. Maybe he you know his City career gets kick-started next season. But, um, yeah, for, for me, it, it just so slows down too much with him. Okay. 
cool. Right. Um, and then through into the uh, 90th minute is Semenyo pulls back to Martin, who basically just took too long to get his shot away, Matt, didn't he? It was one of those ones where he just wanted him just to snap, snap a shot at it and try and get a shot away on target. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Yeah. No, and, and, and actually, I, th- I thought Chris Martin, I, I was looking at me, my ratings, I think I might have been a bit harsh with him because looking back, I did think he actually had a reasonable game. Like Ed said, he, he gave the two centre-halves for them a torrid time and won. I'd love to know what the stats were. It felt like he, he won probably 70, 80% of the, the, the balls. Um, and it would have been, again, to, you know, the, the, the away leg, he got the winner, didn't he? And it would have been nice to see him get that there. Yeah. Okay, right. So it's a 1-1 at home to Peterborough. Disappointing result. Uh, that's that's easy to say. Um, Matt, the ratings are submitted already, so they are, we, can, so we can can't affect can't them. them. Yep. But um, what I'd like you to do is just read them out, uh, yep. defence by midfield, by attack, and just see okay. what Ed thinks of, of your your summation. <laughs> I did run them past you as well, so don't make out it was just me. Yeah. Um, I'll see if Ed agrees with them, then they're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so six is what we would expect from a, a good performance, Ed. Um, yeah. So Dan Bentley, I went five. Jay De Silva, I went six. Close went six. Atkinson, six. And Atkinson, man of the match. Cundy, five. Um, Matty James, five. Alex Scott, four. Um, just not an Alex Scott performance. Yeah. And similarly, Joe Williams, four. All right, pause there a sec. Let's uh, see what Ed thinks of the of that. I think I'd probably... For Bentley, I don't. He didn't have anything much to do. So if you, I wouldn't penalise him for anything that happened on Saturday. So if six is standard, I'd, I'd have gone for that. I went I six, Ed, and I got pushed down to five. Oh, there you the go. Water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Defence, I, I wouldn't really argue with that. I think they they were okay. They weren't really for all that Peterborough had possession. They didn't carve out many chances. They they weren't great going forward. Johnson Clark Harris was pretty much anonymous, other than being in the right place for the goal. Um, into midfield, yeah, I wouldn't argue. I think that's where the, the big problems were this weekend. I think, I think talking about the, the sort of three crown jewels of the youngsters, for me, I understand what you're saying with Semenya because apart from anything else, they cost a lot more money to replace. Yeah. But Alex Scott is exceptional, yeah. is genuinely exceptional because he's 18 and he's played in all those different positions and you would not know it if you yeah. didn't see it. So he has been, he'd probably be my player of the season if we're finishing the season now. But he was poor on Saturday, so I can't argue with that. And and I don't think Joe Williams was fully fit. So yeah, I think that's that's fair. Okay. I I just like to see Alex Scott for the rest of the season play in that midfield role. Yeah, I think yeah. that and, that is where he is best. Whether yeah. he's better as a four or an eight yeah. or even a ten, yeah. I think time will tell. Yeah, yeah. And then up front, um, I went or we went, Vyman, Martin, and Wells all with a five. Um, and thinking back now, like I said, with Chris Martin, I think it's slightly harsh. Andy Vyman, you know what you're always going to get with him. Mm. Perhaps the chances he got, he wasn't clinical enough, which is why we went with the five. And and also, we kind of looked at the scores overall at the end and thought we were getting close to a six for that performance. And it wasn't a six performance from the team. So we were looking at it that way. But yeah, I went three fives out of those three. I think Chris Martin probably was the one that I might have gone a six for. But Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think Martin... How it was much more effective in the game and yeah. the fact that I wonder whether it's difficult to say but Andres Vyman does too much work so he and Naki Wells should have been gambling on winning those balls they weren't yeah. all flick-ons over the top some of them were nice little knockdowns and they weren't always to those two but it, that's something that, that City didn't capitalise on I thought Naki Wells worked hard but didn't really you know get an opportunity to do what he's best at it and score goals and, and Vyman was, was all action but it, it yeah. didn't really it, it didn't affect the game in the way that sometimes it will. And that's on this occasion, I don't think that was necessarily his fault. I think the poor efforts of some of the other teammates will have had an effect there. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Nigel. Thank you. Nigel, we went four. Um, we went four, four. Um, because home again, draw to the bottom home, side. Home draw, bottom side. I think he Election. got the like the starting lineup wrong. Um, the selection wrong from a, a Joe Williams point of view, certainly. Um, but maybe, I mean, I, you know, I, I scored this on Saturday night and so maybe I was a little bit um, miffed by it as well. Um, but certainly it was it was a five is a very best. Did you take his post-match comments into the rating? 
No, and it, and no, I didn't. And do you know, it's and the reason I, I kind of wrote about it was because obviously it is something you know it's it's of interest to fans when he comes out with stuff like that. I do like his honesty. I agree that I think the club there is definitely something within our club that is wrong. Um, for me, massively recruitment. It's it's an area I think if if I'm Steve Lansdowne and Richard Gold, I'm looking at that because we're not getting that right. Um, but there isn't that. You know, he's right when he talks about we've got players on high wages who are comfortable. Um, I look across the city. Joey Barton threw a few in like that, didn't he? And he, he made some huge changes for them in the summer. Lots of people questioned Joey Barton and what was going on there. And look at where they are now with the, the changes that he made. Made some really good signings in the loan market. So I, I do like a lot of what Nigel Pearson says. I admire his honesty. Um, I like the questions that, that Ed threw at him and actually um, quite rightly said it's going to be difficult, to which then Nigel says, no, I don't think it will be. So time will tell on that. But yeah, for me, when you're drawing 1-1, playing 30 minutes against 10 men, you've got to, you know, Antoine Semenya should have come on earlier at that stage. Mm. Um, it was still another, I think, 13 minutes before he came on when they'd gone down to 10 men. So, yeah. Ed, I know you've got to make a run for it. Any closing comments for you, summation of the game and... Uh current situation yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know the, the game was it was just so frustrating because it, it was there for them Peterborough didn't play particularly well but City didn't deserve any more than they got from the game so you, you can't look at that I think with with what Nigel said post-match completely agree with a lot of what he says he has to take his share of the blame and I'm sure yeah. you know he would accept that but you've got to set out you've got to create an atmosphere at the high performance centre or around the ground or wherever it is that makes these players want to do the things that you need to do more of. And, and yes, some of them may not want to, and yes, some may have to go out and get new ones in, but you've still got, there's got to be a collective because there's not a team out there where the manager is throwing players under the bus where it works. You, you look at the very top level and, and Jose Mourinho was world-class at throwing players under the bus. What's he won of any significance in the last you know decade, realistically, certainly yeah. the last seven or eight years that's the thing that worries me. So I don't think they're a million miles away from being a team that can compete, but they need a really good summer to get there. And, you know, based on the last few transfer windows, there are significant questions about how good a summer it can be. And I, I hope they have an amazing summer and they, they make all the right moves and, and we're all sat here very happy next season. But history tells you that there's got to be at least a little bit of doubt about that. I think it's just very strange when he when he came out and talked about the personalities and not having the personalities and technically, you know, we're good, but we don't have those. And it, it will be interesting to see the Stoke game, what changes are in there and which players are, are left out of the squad potentially altogether. I don't know that he's got a lot of freedom to do much with that. I mean, maybe the likes of Josh Hours might, might come into the equation, Tommy Conway, but it's an interesting one. I, I, I just long again for a club, a manager that players want to run through brick walls for and want to celebrate goals with. And, and it just doesn't feel like that at the moment. It did, I agree with lots of the, the kickback I was getting when I was questioning Nigel Pearson that it's not, there's not a cohesive, it's not a cohesive team. Um, he needs to get his own players in. That's fine. I would also go back and say the players he brought in, the Matty James, the Andy King, the Danny Simpsons haven't worked so that, for me, is a, a concern as well. So, yeah, ma massive, massive summer, isn't it? Ed, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you, Ed. Um, again, it's an absolute pleasure. Hope to get you on again soon. Thanks for the insight. And uh, keep up the good work, sir. Thank yeah. you very much. Brilliant. Thanks Take care, Ed. Take care. Right, Matt. So we've got a few tweets to read through. Um, we've got one from Dr. Dean Allen. Two poor sides on show at Ashton Gate this afternoon. Nothing to choose in quality between City and Peterborough. Uh, aside already heading for League One. If we don't improve, then I'm afraid that will be our fate next season, a make-or-break summer for Nigel Pearson. Um, Nigel Mitchell, two very poor teams, lacking ideas, motivation and commitment, pedestrian movement and careless with the ball. Where do we go from here? Colin Bateman, Pearson's suggestion that changing the manager will not change problems at the club is a desperate attempt to cover up his shortcomings. We are heading towards League One under his stewardship. Um, and then there was a lovely one from Beth, who, uh, Beth, not Ruth, um, <laughs> Robin over here. You need to explain the Beth, not Ruth. <laughs> um, so, so she came on the podcast, when was it? 
last season. So, yeah. so Beth came on the podcast last season. Um, and for some reason, I kept calling her Ruth. Um, so came up with the name of Beth, not Ruth, just as I, just as I knew where I was going. Um, but walked out on, uh, on into the uh, the tunnel area when we were um, showing the the '60s chaps the pitch, and uh, and there there was Beth. So um, yeah, it was a special moment for her meeting Jeff Merrick. I thought you were say meeting you then. <laughs> well, it was a special moment, of course, because it, yeah. it was a, it was a. I was so surprised to see see Beth. Yeah, there. no, it's lovely. Um, but her hero is Jeff Merrick. Um, and as a kid, part of the team that uh, that I idolise. I'm reading out her tweet now. This isn't me right, speaking. Yep. Team yep. I idolise. He was so engaging and generous with his time. Clubs will have low points like now, but this history is our club. Um, and there's some fa- some fantastic pictures um, of Beth uh, sharing an embrace and a chat with with Jeff Merrick. Oh, lovely. Um, so Matt, some of the some of the comments there, you know, understandable, but it's you know, couple of couple of wins now. Who knows? A, a draw or a win up at Stoke. It, it's like I keep saying, Patch. It's a, it's a pendulum. I, yeah, it is, and and you know, you you you've been very um, consistent in the fact it's a three year plan. We have to stick with it. Um, like I said, there's, there was a fair. I had a fair bit of debate, um, healthy debate last night on on Twitter with. Um, a couple of people. Um, it's all about opinion. I, I'm still very much. I want Nigel Pearson to succeed. Um, I will. I will allow him the summer. I. I was criticised because I. I referenced, like I said, Steve Cooper, Ryan Lowe, um, and and Chris Wilder. Yes, absolutely. In terms of finances and what they've had available, the 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 quality of playing squad that Not Forest have got, for example, is far greater than us. I, I don't debate that. But I also think that Steve Cooper came in and he got them playing better than they were under Chris Hewton. Um, my concern with Nigel Pearson when he comes out with some of the statements that he's done is that you lose some of the other players because they might have mates that are there and they don't like you know to hear some of what he says. But I do agree, we need a complete... Um, I'm not going to use the, the statement around what's within the club... Um, but there is something wrong at the club that needs, you know, turfing out, and and hopefully Nigel Pearson is the man to do that. I listened to Kasper Schmeichel talking on the Ben Foster podcast. Both of them spoke so highly of Nigel Pearson. Um, that I, can, they, I can read out what Casper said. Can if you, you like. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. So Casper uh, Schmeichel on Nigel Pearson treated as an adult. Uh, treat me like a child, and I'll behave like a child. He transformed Leicester City. And we are still reaping the rewards with all of the same people behind the scenes. He had an individual rapport with every player. And I think that's the thing is, he goes on to say, I'm sure that he brought in a lot of those people behind the scenes. Um, We don't know what Nigel Pearson has had available to him in terms of bringing in staff. Yes, Curtis Fleming has come in. Um, I think Dave Rennie came in with him, but it may have been before. I can't remember. He does seem to have a rapport with all the players. He, he really does. And, and I look at someone like Naki Wells, who's had really limited time under Nigel Pearson and yet speaks really highly, says about he likes playing for the manager, wants to do well for the manager. Dan Bentley came out and said that he had no issue with, with, with Nigel Pearson. Um, he does a lot of things where he attended the, the, the charity game at Nelsey. Um, he was there today at the under 23s talking to some of the youngsters all things he should be doing um, but part of this podcast's role and part of what I do when I, I write the column for the, the Bristol Live is I'm representing the fans as we are here we've got our opinions on it but if I sit in the stand and if we have discussions that say you know and I don't mean me, me and you directly because you know we're, we're both behind him but we know you know I'll, I'll use Nigel Whittle um, as an example, who regular contributor to the podcast. Nigel makes it very clear he does not think that Nigel Pearson is the right man for the job. Lee Lee Williams um, gives you that impression. Well, yeah, um, the the numerous WhatsApp, but but <laughs> and 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 I absolutely respect Nigel's and you know, the same well, as and, you and, do, and, and because he's got... he's coached at a far far better level than I has. He he understands tactics formations far better than I do. 
Um, but it's we're what fans it's all alike. about. It's what it's all exactly about. Exactly that. Exactly that. And that's if why we all had the same opinion. How boring would that be? Exactly. And that's why you know. And I know you always say to me, "Don't get involved in Twitter discussions." In, but I wanted to last night because someone was sort of saying that that me referencing Steve Cooper was absurd. And I said, "Well, well explain why that's absurd." Because I'm not talking about the finances. I'm not talking about. No, no one can say that not as far as there's a club over the last 10 seasons, have been a model to, to stand by. They've had some massive issues. But Steve Cooper went in there when they were, I'm pretty sure they were bottom at the time Chris Hewton left. Mm. And he came in and he worked with what he had until January. And then, yes, he's made then signings in January and spent a lot of big money as well. So I'm not comparing the two like that. But you have to look at what he's done. Now, I don't know enough about what's going on behind the scenes at Bristol City to know exactly what Nigel Pearson's, you know, talking about. Um, I don't know how many players he's going to be able to, to get rid of and be able to bring in his own staff. Um, but certainly if, if in six months' time we're seeing the same turgid football that we're watching, we're not seeing patterns of play, when we're seeing the same concession of two goals a game you know, as we as we've done continuously this season, then questions have to be asked, um, because none of us, although although your phrase about you have to, to go backwards to go forward, I don't think we can go backwards in terms of going down a division. Um, oh no, m- maybe, maybe I don't know. You know, again, I cite the Rovers; they've gone down under the button. He's got them back where they're in playoff contention and actually potential automatic contention as well with whatever five games to go, but. I want to see an improvement in the summer and and next season. You know, your idea about everybody getting together. This doesn't feel like a club at the moment that's unified. Just to clarify, that was a little bit tongue-in-cheek. However, I I think that that would be a real benefit. Get everyone in the the room together for a weekend, a summer party, whatever, you know, where we all discuss. And, And fans coming out and talking about Steve Lansdowne. Um, and saying, you know, it's time for a change there and that Steve Lansdowne... Steve Lansdowne, not only from a bricks and mortar point of view, has put a huge amount of money in. There are players that are on big money at our club. It's not it's not his fault, and we can talk about Mark Ashton, um, but that for me is the key thing. It's the recruitment. If we can get rid of some of those high wage earners, the likes of Casey Palmer, who, who don't seem to have... Um, a future under Nigel Pearson, the likes of potentially Thomas Callas, who I wouldn't want to go from a because of what he is as a player, but certainly is going to be on big money. If you can get some of those high earners off, then that gives Nigel Pearson some scope to work with. But I'll also say we need to see better on the field than we've seen in Danny Simpson, Andy King, Matty James. Um, you know, I'm not questioning in what they are in the changing room, but it's what they bring on the field. You know, you can get coaches, um, get, get more people in from, from that point of view. So, yeah, it's it's a huge summer. But I think, again, as fans, everyone is entitled to their opinion. And there will be those that are still backing Nigel Pearson. And there's still some really strong backing for him. And there will be those that understandably, and we, we know we've got a couple in our WhatsApp group in Robin... Um, um, Nigel, who are very, very clear that they don't think he's the right man for the job. I'm still very much on the fence. Um, I think probably because I want him to be the right man. And I do think there are things massively wrong at the structure of the club that a strong character like him needs to to be in there. But I don't I don't envy Richard Gould and the task that he's got at hand. Mm. We always we always want all managers to succeed because we want our club to succeed at the yeah, end of, of the course, day. Yeah, of course, but I think every fan does patch as well. Mm. Every fan does, don't they? You know, it's 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 one of those, but yeah, I, I hope I hope that Nigel Pearson, for, for what he's saying, that Steve Lansden, they're talking, I think, we, I'd like to think we will hear in, in hopefully sort of Jeff saying Yeah, Jeff said he's going to have um, Steve Rich- and or Richard right. on the, Again, on the I, show. I, I'd like to hear that and I'd like to, to understand what they think Nigel Pearson means in the passive nature of the club because, you know, it, it does feel like it's a little bit too comfortable. And, and that's why when you do reference clubs like Blackpool, Preston, we should be above them. You know, there's no divine right and it's football. Mm. You know, absolutely. We, we had this discussion, didn't we? But, 
you know, with, with the, the finances that we've got and the facilities that we've got, we should be seeing better than, than we are. And maybe I'll agree with, with, with what the likes of Dave Febs and some of the other guys are saying. Pearson needs to be given the time to, to really get rid of what, you know, the players he doesn't want and those high owners and bring in the right players. And that might not even be next season. That might be the season beyond. But I don't think Nigel Pearson will be allowed a season where we struggle and we are in and around because we're not going to have, well, you, I don't know, we might be one of the teams that get a points deduction, but there's not going to be a Derby 21 points deduction um, that sees them down. I don't know, the teams coming up, a Rotherham maybe an MK Dons, are they going to be strong enough to compete at the championship? So maybe yeah. again, it's, yeah. Okay, um, as we've lost Ed, um, we won't do the Room of Doom this week. Okay, yeah. won't, won't won't really work with just two of us, but no, no, no. Uh, roll roll over your room of doom for, for okay, next mate. week. But what a we'll fantastic do. guest, Ed. He's had uh, lots of contact, lots of interviews with Nigel Pearson um, and watched Bristol City commentated on them. So a terrific insight and hopefully everyone it, enjoyed listening. Yeah, um, very much. And and we know with, with Ed, he will ask the questions as well. He doesn't shy away from it like he, he, he did on the weekend. So yeah, no, brilliant. Lovely. Right, we Great will work. be uh, travelling up to Stoke on Friday. Um, hope to see some of you there. Um, but for now, Matt, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for your time. Take care. Happy Easter, everybody. We'll be back soon. Take care, everyone. Take care. Don't forget Bye. to check out those Robins Reunited. Mike Gibson and Neil Palmer is up now. Get that checked out and we'll be back soon. On Bristol City, on Bristol City, on Bristol City. Way up the lead You nearly blew it We know you've been through it But you can do it Give us the gold There'll always be a Bristol And City is the team To get into the first again will always be our dream we're proud of bristol city they play in wind and rain to hear the crowd or shout aloud the city scores again My eyes have seen the glory of the goals a city score And we want to see them score in just a half a dozen more When the ball goes in the net, me boys, you'll want to hear us roar Our team goes marching on Glory, glory, Bristol City Glory, glory, Bristol City Glory, glory, Bristol City Our team goes marching Bristol City, glory, glory, Bristol City, glory, glory, Bristol City, our team goes marching on, glory, glory, Bristol City, glory, glory, Bristol City, glory, glory, Bristol City, our team goes marching on. All together, boys. Bristol City, glory, glory, Bristol City, glory, glory, Bristol City, our team goes marching on.